Hey everybody, this is Sam from West Virginia Sports, and like we told you, we're going to be coming to you at various times of the day. We're going to try to get uh, at least one episode in a day about some topic. We're going to be doing different topics. This is episode two, and we're going to be talking about middle school. Um, we've kind of entitled it Middle School Dreams and then Terrible Coaching Tactics that go along with it. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be kind of talking about those two different topics. The reason why I wanted to talk about middle school is because I have a, a cousin that is in middle school right now, and I went to one of his games and saw how some of the parents acted, saw how some of the kids acted, and just kind of wanted to share my feelings on middle school and kind of get some of y'all's feedback, what you guys think, what what um, you feel, and whether I'm totally wrong or maybe I'm a little bit right, because we're all going to go pro in something else, and that's what we need to be teaching our kids. Um, a lot of kids grow up with big dreams. I know I was one that thought I was going to go pro and it didn't happen. We're all going to go pro in something else. And that needs to be a saying that you as a parent or you as a coach or, or you just as a role model in the community talk to kids about that, you know, education is important not necessarily college, it can be technical school, it can be learning how to do something on their own, having a mentor and, and learning from them, but we are all going to learn and build, and even if you are in the NFL, or you're in the NBA, or the WNBA, or you go play for the women's soccer team, eventually your time runs out. And you've got to find another profession. A lot of us have went through several professions and have changed jobs. And so we really need to be teaching kids the big picture of things. And I think it kind of starts with middle school. I know a lot of kids play in midget league. I know that there are a lot of great midget leagues around in West Virginia. I actually grew up in one and, and am so thankful for all of my coaches that really helped uh, be good role models for me. But it really starts getting very organized and seems to kind of change in middle school. And I want to give you kind of my thoughts on that because I believe that middle school starts basically teaching how to have character. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the definition of character. Character is who you are when no one else is around to see it. It's who you truly are. It's, it's what you truly believe. And in middle school sports, we need to be teaching manners. We need to be teaching sportsmanship. But we also need to be talking to them about anger management and uh, problem solving. What happens when you come upon an obstacle and how do you learn to go around that or under it or over it or through it? And we need to be teaching them 
skills that are not just pertaining to one sport. We need to be teaching them and role modeling them with how they are as a person. I loved coaching middle school when I coached because this is a time where they don't really know who they are and they're kind of exploring that. And so for you high school players that are listening to that, think back on the time that you were a year or two ago or four years ago when you were in middle school. Your middle school coaches were helping shape how you were disciplined, how you uh, wanted to work, how you wanted to practice, how you acted in games, how you acted on the bus, how you acted um, on the bench. And so we, as um, a community, need to be really watching our middle school. It lays the foundation for who our kids are going to become, not only as they go from 7th graders to 8th graders, but what they're going to be when, when they go to high school and, and what they're actually going to be uh, when they go to college or they go to tech school or they go into the military or they get a mentor and, and or they become an entrepreneur and who they're going to be as people teaching them these people skills and are we teaching them the right way the right way to do things and and seeking that out as coaches and as parents are are we looking at something on tv and saying hey that's what or are we kind of really researching that we are are we teaching them hey the way we were taught well a lot of us were taught wrong a lot of us were taught with different techniques than what are used now. Um, a lot of us were taught to do things differently than what they actually do now. Think about it yourself. A lot of us in, in middle school and high school, and no, I never played football, but I'm saying a lot of us, we were taught the wrong way to tackle in football. There was a time period where we were taught to kind of lead with our head. And that's completely wrong now in the days of concussions. We really want to get a better technique, keep our heads up, and be looking at what we're hitting. So times are changing, and so we need to make sure that we're teaching the right way and we're developing the right techniques. And in middle school, we've got to decide, are we going to teach something basic that we can build upon? Because we've only got them for two or three years. So are we going to really teach them something that we can build upon? Are we going to start with the basics of that particular high that particular sports high school program and so do you need to sit down with the high school coach and say hey what system are you running do you need to talk to them about some basic drills that, that they run or what are some problems that they saw last year with eighth graders coming up where were the holes 
are you going to get run a completely different system, but that system teaches the techniques and skills that will suit your high school? Are you kind of going to go out on a limb and you're just going to teach your own thing? And they're going to have to learn a completely different system in, in high school. Is your high school system in flux and you don't even know what your high school coach is going to be running or they won't talk to you. So that's kind of where we stand. What, what are we doing? And how are we going to deal with ourselves as coaches, as parents, as members of community? Because we want them to win. And sometimes teaching them the right way, they may not win right away. Um, when I was hired as a head coach, I... Um, took and did the system that I knew the best and I really didn't consult with the high school coach in my area and I, I really regret that. I wish that I would have sat down and talked to her and found out a little bit about the system that she was running but I didn't have that confidence. Um, I started coaching at a young age and I just I didn't sit down with her. I didn't go over the drills that she was running, what things she was emphasizing. Um, because I was so young, I kind of thought I knew it all. And I thought I knew what I was doing. And so I ran the system that I knew best and taught what I knew, did a lot of drills. Luckily, I had a great mentor and I was very curious and did a lot of research so that I could find out the different drills and really work at building that basic skill level. And I had a really great team first year that I coached um, in middle school. But we came out and we played the toughest team in our conference. And we lost by three points. And it was such a blow to me because, like I said, I was young. I really didn't understand that middle school is about building them. It's about getting them to be better. And so I kind of took that to heart and thought, oh, my gosh, here's my very first game. I've lost it. Um, the kids were down. Uh, the parents were down. The parents were doubting me, thinking, oh, my gosh, uh, this is just going to be an awful season. Um, needless to say, we only ended up losing two other games the rest of the season. So we did have a great season. But you've got to realize that teaching them the right techniques and the right way, building character, talking about that sportsmanship, that it may cost you a game. I can remember my third season that I coached. Um, I had a player who was absolutely excellent. Um, she's an excellent person, and she was an excellent player. I'm still in touch to her, with her this to this day. Um, but she had an issue where 
she liked to listen to her dad, and he liked to coach from the stands. And I had called a timeout, and I said, "Look, we're we're up by this many points. We're we're not going to shoot right away. We're going to pass the ball three times before we shoot, or it has to go into the post." Once it goes into the post in basketball and it kicks back out, then we can shoot. But I don't want a lot of dribbling. I want us to work on our passing. I really work on our movement. And so I was watching this on offense, and I heard her dad say, You're open. Shoot it. And the next thing I know, there the ball goes flying to the basket. Now, she made it. That wasn't the point. The point was about listening to directions, following directions, listening to your coach. She was one of the leaders on my team. And I, at that moment, called a timeout and took her out of the game. Because it was more important for me, for her to learn, Number one, we're a team. And if our team is going to follow the rule of three passes, where it has to go into the post, well, then everyone on the team's got to follow that. The second thing we had to learn is that I was in control. And I was setting what boundaries, what offense we were going to run, what defense we were going to how we were going to do things. Not a parent in the stand, not a member of the community in the stand or anything like that. So I sat her down, and at first she was pretty angry, and she didn't understand. And she sat beside me on the bench, and I... And basically talking to her in the same way I'm talking to you guys. And I'm explaining this to her. And she got mad. And her first comment back to me was, but I made it. Well, kids sometimes have to understand that things happen. And the outcome's right. But how you went about it was wrong. Just because, you know, you're driving a car and you're driving way too fast while it's raining and you hydroplane, but you don't hydroplane into the tree, doesn't make it right that you were driving too fast. So that's some of the little things that you want to make sure as a high school coach, or excuse me, a middle school coach or a middle school parent or a middle school member of the community attending a game, whether you be an aunt and uncle or you be a friend, that you really want to watch and you really want to support the building, not only of them as a player, but them building as a person and making sure that that's right.
So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take just a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a guy named Coach Mike, and he sends out a daily newsletter. And we're going to talk about uh, the topic of it was terrible coaching tactics. And we're going to go through some of those, and we're going to talk a little bit about them. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's what I'm using to make this podcast. I use it not only because it's free, but because it's easy. I can record and broadcast anything and everything right from my phone, or I can use a computer. It allows me to edit things, and it has everything I need just in one place. And not only that, you can make money from your podcasts. But what you have to do is you've got to go download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm just to get started. And then send me a link. I want to hear your podcast. Hey, this is Sam back with West Virginia Overtime. And and we're going to talk about the second set of this um broadcast we're, we're going to talk about some terrible coaching tactics now i'm going to use basketball as an example i'm going to throw in some examples for football but i mean it can be about any kind of sport you want to make it whether it be soccer volleyball track whatever but i'm going to talk about some terrible tactics at the middle school level if you're a youth league coach if you're a major league coach you may be doing this also um but we're going to talk about some tactics that in middle school may be um, a little not on the up and up. It's not maybe not something that we want to do if we want to truly take this player and develop them to become a better person and to become someone that's going to do something in high school, that's going to want to continue to play in high school. So uh, like I said, I'm going to use basketball a lot for Example, the first terrible tactic that I want to talk about is playing your five best players as much as possible. Now, of course, this can be in football, playing your best 11 players constantly and not substituting in in basketball or playing the same five. Um, You don't really want to do that. Um, I actually found this out when I was coaching track. Um, I wanted to take my top four fastest uh, 200 meter uh, runners and put them on my relay team and that probably wasn't the right thing to do as I found out later when one of them got hurt and I put in probably my sixth or seventh fastest 200 meter runner she just worked with them better um their handoffs got better she was a more positive kid and she pumped up that relay team and and did things so like i said we're going to be using basketball playing your best five players as much as possible you know a lot of coaches say hey i don't want to risk putting a weaker player in on the floor because you know they're going to score some points um they're they're not going to be able to really work well that's a sign of 
number one, you not believing in them, but number two, you not really wanting to see how they learn. Because playing in a game is also how they learn. Yes, they learn in practice, and yes, we do five-on-fives, we do four-on-fives, we do seven-on-fives. We do a lot of different situational drills in basketball, but nothing gets that adrenaline pumping and that excitement going as being in a game and and being able to be in that moment and make a decision. So that's the thing. We want to see how they learn. You may see a so-called weak player click with certain players. It's kind of amazing. It happens on almost every team that I've seen where there are two players. They're not of the same capability um, on the floor, but because they're best friends, and they know each other, and they can finish each other's sentences, when they're on the floor together, they make each other better. Even though one player may be your seventh best player, when they're on the floor with your best player, they rise up a couple levels. And the only way you're going to know that is by taking your so-called weaker players and putting them in the game with different players, different starters, and doing different mixes. And you want to do that a lot in your scrimmages, but your first couple games, you kind of want to see who clicks with who. And also... Getting them in the game, sometimes in middle school, really gives them a sense of what they're working for. They think they're doing the right thing, the the thing that you want them to accomplish in practice, and they're not understanding why they don't start. By putting them in a game, they may see what you're talking about as far as positioning themselves for a rebound. They may see they're not actually doing it the correct way. And so you can teach them so much by not always putting the five best players on the floor the whole entire game. And the other thing that I really want to warn uh, coaches and parents and members of the community is you shouldn't want the five best players on the floor all the time because what if one of them gets injured? You want people with experience on the bench that have been in game time situations that can help your team and kind of step up. Another terrible tactic, coaching tactic that I see is um, that they run certain defenses, and I'm just going to use basketball for an example. I see when I watch middle school basketball, a lot of coaches using this tight 2 packing it into the paint, and just daring people to shoot outside shots because they believe that middle school kids – can't make them on a consistent basis yeah you may have one on a team that can but the other four can't and so they really try to pack it in the paint uh it's proven fact that 85 to 90 percent of 
the points scored in a middle school game usually come from somewhere in the paint pretty close. Uh, a lot of them off of rebounds. And so a lot of coaches want to do that in order to win. But what are you teaching them? Are, are you teaching them to talk? Are you teaching them to switch? Are you teaching them um, how to go out and actually guard someone, how to guard different players? Using basketball as an example, you know, there are basketball players that are drivers. Well, if they're going to drive on me and I'm not as quick as them, I want to play off of them. Um, there are certain players that are shooters. Well, if I'm guarding a shooter, I want to get up closer to them because I don't want them to shoot the ball. So if you're packing it in, you're not teaching players to make decisions and to know, hey, this person's a driver, I need to play him this way. Hey, this person's a shooter, I need to play him this way. You're not expanding their knowledge. It's the same thing in football. I see some some uh, middle school football teams, they crowd the line and um, they play run defense constantly and they just kind of dare a team to pass because in football at the middle school level, there's not a lot of teams that pass. Yeah, they have a couple pass plays, but um, most defensive middle school coaches think, well, you know, if I'm blitzing them and I'm crowding the line, they're not going to be able to pass anyway. Well, what are you teaching your players? Are you, are you really expanding their knowledge? Uh, it, it all comes down to a lot of times we're just not teaching the game. We're not, we're not getting them to learn the basics because we're trying to win so much. And we don't realize if we give them a good foundation in the game and of all of the basics, they're going to be better for it. They're going to be a better team for it. They're going to be a better person for it. And they're going to be better players, especially when they get to the high school level. And we need to know that we're going to run into a team eventually that's going to beat us with outside shooting are going to beat us because they can throw the ball. And we're not going to know how to fix it. Because in the middle of the game, if you're packing in the paint and you didn't scout this uh, basketball team you're playing and they've got three three-point shooters and they're bombing them from all over and they're hitting, well, you can't call a timeout and tell your kids, hey, go out and guard them. Because you didn't practice that. You didn't teach them that. They don't know what they're doing. So they're just trying the best they can, and people are driving on them. Now they're going to the paint, and and your team is really feeling like, I am unprepared, and I can't handle this. So you don't want to ever put them in a situation where they feel like, oh, I'm totally unprepared. So teach the basics. Yes, I know you want to win. Yes, I know maybe the winning way is to pack it into the paint, but we want them to become better players. Remember, middle school is our foundation. Number three, I see, especially in basketball, uh, full court zones all the time. And 
and it's the main reason is because a lot of times kids aren't strong enough to hold on to the ball they don't know how to hold on to the ball they don't know how to pass over a zone um, they don't know how to step through and pass through a zone. They don't know how to move to the open area. Um, and realize that it's almost unfair. But since we know that that's what coaches are going to be doing, then take your first week of practice. Teach them how to hold on to the ball. Teach them how to pass through the zone. Play a lot of three on two. Play a lot of seven on five. Where people are trapping them and they're having to hold on to the ball. They're having to pass through the zone. That's part of teaching them the basics. And then, you know, when one of these coaches um, tries one of these tactics against you, you're just going to blow it out of the water and get them out of it pretty quick. Um, number four that I see is a lot of coaches, um, they recognize that they've got a really good middle school player and they don't want that player to play multiple sports. They want them to start in middle school specializing. And I think that's, um, one of the worst things we can do to kids, um, is, a coach saying, hey, you're my number one football player, you're my, my number one volleyball player, and you're going to get left behind if you don't commit to playing and training one sport 365 days a year. If you don't play um, middle school volleyball and then go into a club volleyball team and a travel volleyball team and you're not playing volleyball constantly, then you're not going to be able to get a college scholarship. Well, stop. Think about what I just said. You're telling an 11, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, you're not going to get a college scholarship? Oh, come on, guys. They haven't even hit a growth spurt. They haven't even hit their mental growth spurt. Someone who's 12 may be your best basketball player or your best soccer player. But then when everybody hits their mental growth spurts and their physical growth spurts, they may be the worst athlete you've ever seen in 10th grade because other kids have a tendency to catch up with them. And so you really don't want them just concentrating on one sport because they're so young. And what happens is they get stress fractures and they get burnout. And at the middle school age level, don't make them specialize. Now, if that's the only sport they like, hey, have at it. But if they've got three or four sports that they want to play, that they enjoy, that their other friends play, hey, let them. If, if you can, can have the time, parents and the coaches and the people in the community, if you can make the time for them to play three sports and don't care to run them around, then let them do that. Um, realize, coaches, that 
they need family time. And I think a lot of times we overschedule kids. Uh, you know, we we want them to go to basketball practice, and then we want to run them to the batting cage, and then we want to run them here and there. And we're not scheduling our family time where we're getting to know our own kids, um, where the community's getting to know our kids. Um, we're not scheduling enough time for their homework. We're not working with them on their homework. Um, at the middle school age, uh, they should be also learning some service projects and doing good for others and expanding their interests. Um, I hate to say it, but there is more to life than sports. And this is coming from a sports fanatic. I've been a sports fanatic since I was about seven or eight years old. But there is more to life than sports and you need to make sure that they have other interests than sports that you know maybe they're in the band or they're in show choir or they're in the club um they're at a french club or they're in the honor society or or whatever you try to get them to connect you don't want them around the same five kids all the time. You want them to branch out and learn from different people and become very well-rounded people. Um, another mistake that we make as coaches and, and um, parents and in the community, I see this happen a lot in the community. At the middle school level, we we really are wanting to say, hey, this is my best player. Hey, these are my best two players. A lot of teams at the middle school level, they do only have one or two great players. Well, but at, again, middle school, we're building foundation. So we want to encourage teamwork. We want to encourage building a family unit within our team. We want to encourage supporting each other and that everyone has a role. Uh, we want to find the good about different players. What are they doing? If we're on a volleyball team, yeah, we might have this awesome spiker and we might have this awesome uh, server. And if we're lucky on the middle school level, we have a pretty decent set. But for the other three, you've got to, because you have six people on the floor in volleyball, for those of you who don't know. So for the other three, you've got to find things that they do good because you want to be positive with them. Maybe, you know, they do great dicks. Maybe they do bump sets. Maybe be, uh, they talk on the floor and make sure there's court coverage. So we want to make sure that we're concentrating at all the different players that are on the court, on the field, on the track, whatever, because players develop at different speeds and they grow at different speeds. And we need to realize, like I said, you know, just because the shortest player in the seventh grade can't pass over his own in basketball doesn't mean that they're going to have a growth spurt and they're not going to be your your best player their eighth grade year or they're not going to be the best player in their 10th grade year 
So you really want to make sure that you're encouraging them to stay with the sport, to continue to work at it. A lot of times hard work and determination can bring someone up a level. You know, they go from being the worst player on the team to a good player on the team. Or maybe they're a good player on the team and they go to a great player on the team through work, through determination, through desire, and through you, someone in the community, or a parent believing in them. Another thing that we do is we force certain sizes to play certain positions. I'm going to use basketball for an example. A lot of times we take our tallest player and we say, hey, you're the post person. Or we take the biggest player in football and we say, hey, you're the lineman. Um, this doesn't allow them to grow. This doesn't allow them to show you what they can do. And there's nothing saying that the tallest player on your team can't be your point guard. I did it two seasons. Um, my very first season, um, the girl that had played in the post the year before, and she thought that's what she was going to do, I actually had her be my point guard. And the point guard that they had used the year before was such an excellent shooter. I didn't want her being overwhelmed by having to run the point and shoot. So I made her my shooting guard and I took my best ball handler who happened to be my tallest girl. And because she was smart, I made her a point guard. She was an excellent passer. She bred the floor. She reacted really well. And yes, she played in the post on defense, but she was my point guard. When I uh, wanted to run my team, she was one of my leaders. And so that was something that I saw and and I just kind of broke with tradition. It didn't always set well with the parents. Uh, a lot of people in the community thought I was crazy, but it worked for our team. Why can't you take a big player and try them out at quarterback? Maybe they're really smart. Maybe with their size, they can run the ball and get through openings. They can stiff arm people and get around the edge. But they also, because they're bigger, they may be stronger and may be able to throw the ball down the field. So don't automatically take that big player and make them a left end. You, you want to make sure that you're trying kids at different positions and you're doing what's right for your team and that you really are giving them the benefits and telling them what their strengths and weaknesses are. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about before we end this is one of the coaching tactics that we see is that people run um, set plays with maybe one option or 
two options. And when that option gets cut out, the players don't know what to do. What we're doing when we run a play and we don't put in different options, we don't teach them how to think, we're creating a bunch of robots. And I've seen a lot of teams in middle school that that's exactly what they look like. They look like little robots out there. And you can tell when they run up against a better team and they stop that one option, the team kind of freaks out. And you can see the coach will will have to call a timeout to chill them out. And sometimes they'll switch plays or sometimes they'll come up with that second option. But if your kids can't read and react and no different options and be able to handle that, that's one of the things you're supposed to be teaching them is problem solving. You want them to have the opportunity to make decisions, but also to make mistakes. Think about it. You that's sitting here listening to me, what happened if you never made a mistake? Would you ever learn? When you take a test, whether it be for work or you took a test in high school, you took a test in college, what are usually the questions you remember? The ones you missed or the ones you had problems with or the ones you doubted. That's how we learn. Don't be afraid to allow your kids to make mistakes because that helps their long-term development. And that's what middle school's about. It's about teaching problems. It's about teaching character. It's about teaching them to deal with frustration. It's about teaching them how to deal with obstacles and to get their long-term development started. So start teaching them different options. Yes, it takes longer. Yes, you may have to go over it more. Yes, you may have to remind them until you're ready to bang your head up against the wall. But in the long term, you're creating a better person. And that ultimately is what coaching is about, is creating a better person. So I'm going to kind of leave it at that. If you're listening to this on Anchor, uh, I thank you, and you can go directly to the website. There is a voicemail button. Feel free to hit that and record your voicemail saying whether you agree with me, whether you uh, don't agree with me, but you got to tell me why. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or something like that, Go to our page. Um, we have an Instagram page. It's Westford, It's WV Overtime. Um, you can go to our Facebook page, which is WV Overtime, and uh, feel free to write us a post there. Um, if you're on Twitter, we're at Overtime WV. Feel free to tell us what you think. And if you like this kind of podcast, and if it's too short, if it's too long, if you want a topic for us to go over, um, I'm going to kind of create 
right now um, what I like and what I'm interested in and kind of go over different topics. So you guys let us know what you think. Because remember, we're by a bunch of fans for you fans. So hopefully I'll be seeing you at a game soon. Bye.